0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the CXCast. I'm your co-host, Adele Sage, joined as always by Angelina Janis. Hey, Adele. And we have a guest today who is a client that I work with. She was sharing with another client of mine, and it was so good and so helpful for him that I said, we need to get you on the CXCast so that you can tell more people about all of these helpful pieces of advice that you have for others. So everybody, please welcome Deb Cornwell, the Senior Vice President of Customer Experience at Assurant. Welcome, Deb. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Can you please start out just by telling us about Assurant? I think some people may or may not know exactly what you guys do, and I I want to start with that. Of course. Absolutely. So Assurant is a large, diversified
1: financial services company, largely business-to-business, 2 b to c rather than direct to consumer, but we really cover a large spectrum of products and services. So if you think about things like any purchase you make throughout your life, your house, your car, your appliances, electronics, basically we partner with the companies that make, sell, finance those things and we help people get the most value they can from those things, from those purchases over the the lifetime of those products. So we're the company that protects, repairs, services insurers troubleshoots, all those things that matter the most to people and we have I think over 300 million customers across the globe if you look across our suite of products we have a connected living business a global home business a global lifestyle business which includes auto products and services so it's really broad but we do operate as a as a single enterprise and you know it's a really great company to work for we have a fantastic culture and a great leadership team in place. So I've been there about uh, two years, coming up on two years now, goes by fast. And before that, I was with USAA for about 18 years. So a couple decades in the uh, PNC insurance industry. And it's really been great to be able to take my USAA experience and apply it in a whole new way because the business models are entirely dramatically different. I love that.
2: So tell us a little bit about your CX team. Where do you guys sit? How big is it? How long has it
1: been around? You know, it's interesting because from a maturity standpoint, Assurance has been investing in customer experience for for quite some time actually before, in some cases, before other companies were really doing that. But given the diversification of our product, some of that activity was happening within just individual product lines. And it wasn't really unnecessarily being driven at the enterprise level. But as you know, in, in the P&C industry, <laughs> with products and services being uh, what I would call increasingly commodified, right, where what sets your product apart from anybody else's experience is that differentiator. And so as a B2B company, they've long been really, really focused on the client. And that is what has made assurance so successful for our hundred year history, right? But As the end consumer experience gained prominence and becomes the differentiating factor, we knew, hey, we've really got to apply some focus, some more direct strategic enterprise level focus on this. So I actually report in through the COO, the uh, chief operating officer, and my peers are the head of IT, uh, the head of ops transformation, the head of data analytics. So a lot of the shared services that enable and underpin the lines of business, we report in through our COO. And so the way I've set up the team, we actually started with a very small but mighty team at first. And we've grown since then, just in the two years I've been there. But I have it set up as a hub and spoke model. So I kind of sit at the top with an enterprise group of practitioners. And I'll talk about that in a minute in terms of what enterprise handles. But I've got an enterprise group of of folks. And then I've got folks who are dedicated to each line of business, right? So They're embedded in with the product, sales, operations teams to really deeply understand what are the problems, what are the issues that are unique to that line of business and work hand in hand with them to understand what customers are saying, drive to insights that indicate here's what we need to change. And then they come together as a community of practice at the enterprise level, but within their lines of business. They're applying specific solutions to specific problems that are unique to that line of business. And so Hub and Spoke is our model. We also have a CX forum, which is for basically folks who are not full-time dedicated CX resources, but who are maybe the standard bearer for their line of business. A little lighter touch in terms of the direct CX activities we're directing. But they still want to be part of it because it's important from a cultural adoption standpoint. And we want them to carry forward the practices and the principles and the disciplines that we're teaching into their area. So I have four direct lines of business that are direct reports to me. So I'd say my direct team around 25, 30 folks with a matrix organization, a little bit broader of about 45 across the enterprise.
0: And so what are some of those things that you do within the enterprise group versus what's done in the lines of business?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we actually had a whole lot of conversation early on because we didn't arrive at the right answer on that overnight. As the COE was coming together and COE Center of Excellence were a big fan of that model. As it was coming together, it helped us to get clarity on what does the enterprise drive? Versus what do we support, where the line of business is driving it. So at the enterprise level, because every line of business has a different and unique need and a different level of maturity, right? Depending on their products, depending on their clients, depending on their end consumers. So what the enterprise drives is overall our voice of customer, our voice of customer platform, our tech stack, the tools that we use for standardizing and for scalability. Ratings and reviews, so external third-party ratings and reviews, results, and how we manage those relationships, and our social strategy, execution, how we interface externally is really important. They also drive the culture work. They drive the community of practice standards and governance. They drive the training and development for CX practitioners. They drive best practices around KPIs, measures, metrics, and of course, the bane of everybody's existence, knowledge management. How do we take everything that's in our heads and make it documented, repeatable, scalable, institutionalized versus what the line of business drives with the enterprise, of course, supporting from a standard governance standpoint is really the day to day work of being a CX practitioner, journey mapping, experience mapping, empathy mapping, mining the voice of customer, getting the insights to drive the meaningful change, human centered design activities within specific projects, NPS and customer. Satisfaction, accountability, right? Diving in and saying, let me review those results on a monthly basis with my business leaders. Let's see where we need to make improvements. Stakeholder management. They are the face of CX to their line of business partners. And then, of course, the day to day participation in agile and project management activities. So they're the boots on the ground, really running and getting the results in the day to day activities where the enterprise is kind of setting the stage and handling the governance at the top level, as well as driving the culture change and setting the standards for long-term business capabilities, technical considerations, things like that.
0: What strikes me as unusual about this is that the people you have in the lines of business report to you in the enterprise function. Can you talk a little bit about why that works and how it works? Because more typically, I've heard that those people report up through the line of business and that you have a close partnership, and in this case, there's actually a reporting structure. So, talk a little more about that, please.
1: Yeah, I actually do have some dotted line where they report up through their line of business. I count them in with the the matrix 45 versus my direct reports. It truly is an accountability thing and a startup thing. So, when I first came in, as I said, Assurance had been investing in CX for quite some time, and so those resources were in the lines of business, but One of the things I absolutely love about Assurant is that enterprise mindset, this teamwork and collaboration. And in other businesses, maybe what you see is those business leaders don't want to potentially, quote, lose control of that resource and feel like they're not going to be able to direct their activities or it's a resource, it's a headcount they gave up. Where at Assurance, you know, we've got a real sense of community and common sense. And so what they knew was this is still 100% fully dedicated your resource. There's going to be no change to the meetings they attend, to the results they're driving, to the activities that they're doing within your business. They are still 100% allocated and even from a bill payer perspective, they're 100% allocated into your line of business to support those activities. But the benefit that you're getting and that the enterprise is getting is that we're going to learn some new tricks, we're going to adopt some new disciplines, we're going to benefit from shared practices and shared knowledge across the enterprise. And so not only do you get all the things you were already getting, but wait, there's more, you're also going to see the talent continue to develop and increase in that value, get exponentially higher as they learn from their peers across the enterprise and adopt new ways of thinking. It really came down to them seeing the benefit in it.
2: Yeah. And one of the strengths we see in the hub and spoke model is that we can identify local issues that are actually global issues. We're having that discussion. What is something I can solve as a barrier to CX And then what is actually something we all need to solve or bring to the enterprise level? What are some barriers or challenges that were identified by these embedded CX practitioners that then made you realize there was an enterprise barrier that needed to be solved for? I think the best example of that
1: would be that we didn't have voice of customer everywhere. And we didn't have survey standardization. So although we were using NPS in pockets, we weren't asking the question the same way. There was definitely an opportunity for us to standardize and understand how our survey platform is working, how we're asking the questions across different swaths of customers, and identify best practices that people could share across the enterprise. So we had some people who were doing NPS really well, some people who weren't doing it at all, and then some folks in the middle who were doing it, but it wasn't consistent with the way that it needed to be. So it made it difficult to tell an overarching story of how's our customer experience health at Assurance. So we did standardize that and we implemented an enterprise solution platform for surveys and omnichannel voice of customer that now we're in the process of rolling out across all the different lines of business as well as geographies.
2: So then digital transformation being an emerging concept for a lot of insurance companies, where is Assurance on that journey? And how is the CX team positioned to support or aligning with that transformation?
1: When I think about the role of customer experience in enabling really cohesive end-to-end digital experiences, the discipline of customer experience is almost central and integral to being able to do that. And I think that's something that a lot of companies don't necessarily think of, or I think there's a, a notion out in the world that the two concepts are mutually exclusive, that digitizing is all about getting efficiency and avoiding calls and deflecting calls, and that customer experience is warm and fuzzy and is about making people feel good, and so the two couldn't possibly be aligned. But I find the exact opposite to be true that, you know, the research shows over and over and over and over that people, when given the option, will almost always choose a digital path to get something done. You know, that's just behaviors are changing. They just want that digital path to be able to get it done. And so when there's not that digital path, they start the interaction frustrated if they can't do it the way that they wanted to do it or if they, they can't complete it in the way that they wanted to do it. So I find that digitizing of experiences, it goes hand-in-hand with building better customer experiences. And really, the discipline of customer experience is, in large part, a toolkit that can help you build a more customer-friendly digital interaction. You know, a lot of the tools that we use, journey mapping, experience mapping, human-centered design, all those things that help us understand from the very start, let's build an outside in perspective. Let's understand what customers are trying to do, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what their end result is. Then if you take all those perspectives into account before you ever start to build the experience in a digital channel, then you can build something that is so seamless, so frictionless, so effortless, so easy that, you know, they have no, no other option really, but, but to choose it. And they're happier having done so. And it reduces the amount of work that they have to do to complete the job that they're looking to complete. And in that way, it's a win-win, right? So when you are able to totally remove the barrier to getting something done in a digital way, you do end up with call avoidance. You do end up with call deflection. You do end up with reduced business cost and increased business efficiency. So it's a complete win from a value perspective, both from the customer standpoint and the company standpoint, the mistake I do see some companies making is trying to throw up barriers instead of create additional pathways. So people will say, well, let's make it hard to get to an agent. Well, do you really want to be doing that? Or is what you mean that you want to make it easier for them to find a digital way to do something, right? Because that's the path they're going to choose if that path is available to them. And if it's not, a cumbersome process to get through. But experience is largely about expectation management, right? It's what do customers expect? If they expect it to be easy and it's easy, great. If they expect it to be difficult, it's got a couple steps. Think about authentication or account security. Then that's fine too. You've, you've met their expectation. If they expect it to be easy and it's hard, that's when you have a problem. And really, digital experience design is very much about setting the customer expectations, and then designing something that's going to meet and even exceed those expectations. So at Assurance, what I would say from a digital transformation standpoint is we have a really robust portfolio uh, across every line of business with aggressive targets. We've made great strides and great headway in digitizing many experiences. We've led the way with things like EasyPass where you you enter into the IVR and then it deep dives you a link, an SMS link to complete your transaction digitally. So we have things like that dynamic fulfillment in terms of auto claims adjudication. So we've automated and streamlined and digitized many, many, many of our experiences, but like anybody else, we still have a very robust portfolio to finish out that journey and to continue down that path just to be really super easy to do business.
0: So, this idea that CX and digital are complementary, was that something that you had to fight for and prove at Assurance, or was it something that everybody intuitively understood and and went along with?
1: No, I'd say that I certainly didn't have to fight for it. I think it was an easy sell. We're just like anybody else, we've always been focused on the clients. So, getting focused on the end consumers is a cultural journey. And so, once the two concepts were partnered in everybody's mind now they're like completely gelled they're almost inextricable in fact a lot of our digital first priorities the objective around it is tied to an nps increase and so they're completely inextricable i would say people understood that once we put it out in the universe and i again we've got a really really supportive leadership team who brought me in to drive customer experience as a strategic priority. Customer focus is one of our four strategic pillars as an enterprise. We have a lot of top-down support, a lot of bottom-up momentum, and you know, tying that digital first objective to customer experience metrics is further proof that the company is committed to this direction and recognizes how critical it is to our future success. I'm really lucky that way. I know that not every the ex-practitioner has that level of both top-down and bottom-up support. But again, as you guys talk about in nearly every conversation I've ever had with Forrester, those stakeholder conversations, that leadership buy-in, that's super critical. So if somebody's not there yet, that's where to focus your effort, right? Get your CEO on board. Get your COO on board. Get your CMO on board. Because when they are and that messaging starts to be company-wide, our priorities are up there in front of every employee meeting, every town hall. And so that's yet another opportunity always to hear it said on a large stage, the customer is our focus. Building differentiated experiences is our focus. And that makes my job easy because then I just get to point back and say, look, not only is this good for your business, but also we have leadership commitment to do this.
0: I was thinking about your organizational structure too, that Your peers who also report into the COO are well aligned to be aligned with you on this digital first journey being something that you're all working together.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a really good observation because when I first started, I actually reported in through the CMO. And I think that that is a common structure. And we actually had a whole lot of ambiguity around what's the difference between CX and marketing? And not ambiguity, because I'm confused, but because our stakeholders were. And actually, a lot of the CX practitioners that I inherited had come from the marketing rank. So there were some interesting role clarity things we needed to work through initially so that our stakeholders in the lines of business could really understand, you know, marketing is one function and it enables you in this way, experience as a holistic function, end to end. Rooting out pain points and looking for ways to address customer friction in the grand scheme of things. It's a very different discipline, but because it was new, a lot of them didn't really understand. So when we made the shift to align more closely with IT, with ops transformation, with data analytics, it was a really smart move because the business could see it more as a truly business enabling function versus a marketing tactic that it's not just something that shows up in your communications, it's actually something you have to do differently for your experiences to get better. And so the team really recognized that. And I think that that
2: was, uh, you know, part of that shift. So it's been two years. What do you see the next five years looking like?
1: Assurant is such a fabulous company. And one of the things I love about Our culture is how often we're morphing and changing. And, you know, we recently, in the beginning of this year, announced the sale of a big segment of our business. And we're focusing uh, even more and always more on a based services and moving to a more capital light model overall. And. I think that with that, I mean, there's a big focus on the connected home, mobile, auto, and how do we serve that market? I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. I think that comes with a B2B model, right? Your clients' needs are changing, and so our product and and services and offering is always changing. So right now we still are, like I said, in a hub and spoke model where we've got the CX resources being fully embedded with the line of business. And we, of course, have a strategic three-year journey to say, you know, what does it look like? What's our north star? What does it look like when we achieve what we've set out to achieve, right? Which is that we're customer obsessed across the enterprise and that we're delivering differentiated experiences using purposeful design and execution and that that's happening at all stages. But practically, what does that look like? Well, CX is always going to be a small and mighty team. You're not you're never going to have armies of CX practitioners. You really have to teach people how to fish. You have to put the tools into the hands of the business so that everybody knows what's my role in delivering differentiated experiences. I always love that old adage, you know, when everybody's accountable, nobody is. But at the same time, just like any other discipline in the insurance world, you have to have a working knowledge of the practices and principles. So think about actuarial science or underwriting. You have underwriters who that's their whole job and their whole discipline, and they maintain the standards and the expertise and the discipline. But your frontline agents better understand the basics of underwriting if they're going to be issuing policies, if they're going to be asking the questions. So it's the exact same thing with CX, that we have the experts and the practitioners who are the stewards of the discipline, who are absorbing new methods as they come out, who are looking across the landscape and saying, how do I apply what I know to the betterment of the entire organization? But they can't be everywhere at once. So they're the ones who are teaching the teams that are the boots on the ground that are working day in, day out. Here's what you need to know. Here's how you can do a journey map. It's very simple, but you should always be doing one before you set out to build an experience because you need to understand what your customers are thinking end to end. And so they're the ones who are out there teaching. So where would we be in five years? well, we would have yet again transformed as a company because our products and services offerings and our corporate makeup is going to look different. We'll still have a core group of CX practitioners, just like we do data analytics practitioners and IT practitioners. But the organization is going to be so well-equipped and so ingrained from a cultural perspective, from a customer-centric tools perspective, from a UX and UI perspective, that building differentiated experiences is second nature. And it's not always something that they have to think about or go back to the well and say, wait, how do I do that again? And can you come to this meeting? Because I'm not sure. And, you know, can you attach somebody to this effort? Because we don't know necessarily how to do this experience map ourselves. So for me, that that would be peak end state. I also think, you know, there's a growing trend for companies to organize around journeys. I've seen that in the financial services organizations. Not every company is ready for that. I think it depends on the simplicity or the complexity of your business model. I think it depends on the readiness of your amount of agile adoption and the readiness of your product teams, et cetera, to embrace that kind of mindset. So I think it'd be interesting to see whether or not there's appetite
0: for that in the coming years as well. What a beautiful vision you've just painted. I can really see how there are going to be amazing things done with your help at Assurance. So Deb Cornwell, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure to hear more about all of the great work that you're doing at Assurance.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity and hope you guys have a great day.
0: Everybody, that was Deb Cornwell, the Senior Vice President of Customer Experience at Assurance. Thanks for tuning in to the CXCast where we cover all things experience. Until next time.